Welcome to Habits for Happiness with Lady Fuller. The path to happiness is paved with healthy habits. We spend much of our lives searching for happiness when the key we're looking for is right there inside of us. We can discover that key through habit change, which you're about to learn about. Now, here is your host, Lady Fuller. Welcome to Habits for Happiness, the show where we discuss habits that make you happier. Here on our show today, it's Scott Simon, the author whose book has just been released and happiness entrepreneur of Scare Your Soul. I'm so excited to talk to you because we're going to talk about fear today. And this is maybe one of my favorite topics. (laughs) So welcome, Scott. Thank you for being here. Lady, thank you so much. It's really a pleasure. Oh, it is. It is. And congratulations on your book. Um, And I'm so happy to have this, you know, pun intended conversation with you today. And I just want to I just want to start by saying, you know, you chose the habit of fear. Every guest chooses a habit. And why did you choose that habit instead of bravery or courageousness? Why fear? So I think that, first of all, I think fear gets a bad rap in our society. I think we are are almost conditioned. I don't know if your listeners have probably seen this kind of overwhelming swell of conquer your fear, kill your fear, crush your fear, overcome your fear. And um, honestly, I think all of that is misguided and, and it really dismisses the essential nature of fear, which is to keep us safe, right? That's the, that's the, that's, that's why we have a fear impulse, whether you tie it to, you know, a, a child touching a stove or, or crossing a busy street or, or us adults with our negativity bias and, and other ways that fear shows up in our life. I happen to view fear as a dance partner. I want fear to exist next to me, with me, um, signaling me, um, mm-hmm. advising me, but not stopping me. And so, uh, you know, I my hope is that that we can really normalize fear in a way right. and make right. it a partner rather than an enemy. So would you say as a partner... What would it do in your hypothetical partnership here? Or your not hypothetical, your realistic partnership? Like what purpose is it playing that has a positive connotation for you? Sure. So I grew up the shortest, shyest kid in my grades. Um, I was, you know, chronically, chronically shy. I would would stammer and turn bright red anytime that there was a question in, in school. And I was also bullied. So I had this kind of unlucky triumvirate of forces that were keeping me really quiet and invisible. In mm-hmm. fact, you know, I write in the book that my, my number one wish growing up was to be invisible because mm-hmm. when you're invisible, you stay safe. You don't get hit. You don't get hurt. Um, the bullies that were attacking me would spin me around in circles and fling me off into the bushes. And, 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 and therefore, my life early on was very, very small. And it wasn't until an epiphany that I had on an airplane, no less, that I actually began to invite moments of discomfort into my life. There's a phrase that is well known by now that is do one thing every day that scares you. Yeah, That has become my mantra. It has changed my life. And when you say that, I do one thing every day that scares you, you are essentially inviting fear in every single day as that partner. Because if you're not scared, that there isn't that duality. There's not that friction, that tension that exists. 
we're we're bubble wrapped on a couch. And right, I don't right. want to lead my life that way. And and all of my studies in positive psychology and and all of my experiences with scarier soul lead me to the conclusion and the passion for inviting fear in in a way where I can um, use it as fuel for an amazing, vibrant, passionate, growing life. Love that. It's like, so it's a catalyst, right? It's a catalyst for getting outside of your comfort zone. It is. Right. I love that so much. And, you know, I dropped my kids off at the bus this morning and I asked them, I told them I was doing this interview and I said, okay, guys, so what would you do if you, you didn't have fear? And they were like, well, we'd likely be dead. So, you know, fear does <laughs> serve, you know, a real purpose for us in keeping us safe. And there is this positive connotation that most of us sort of don't have. And um, I love this topic so much, mainly because, you know, I started the show and all of this because I, you know, searched like you for most of my life for happiness outside of myself. I mean, I have, I think I'm going, I'm going to my seventh continent in a month. I'll go, but going to Antarctica, I've done all the things. My life is very experience rich, but happiness is inside of us. So tell us more about sort of that journey for you, because I have read about how you also have <laughs> scoured the globe looking for <laughs> happiness and, and how you found it. Sure. So I'll go back to that epiphany on an airplane. So I, it, it, it was for me, um, I, I had led this very kind of quiet, introverted, scared early life graduated from college and was given the opportunity to teach English to elderly Holocaust survivors in Israel. And I accepted it um, mainly because I had nothing else going on in my life. I was working the alternative aisle in a record store. And although I love that, That I I knew that there was a greater path for me and I accepted this, this job and got on an airplane flying from JFK to abroad and had a panic attack on the flight. I thought to myself, how could I possibly do this? I'm shy, I'm introverted, I'm unworthy. And I started to sweat and my heart started to pound. And I pulled out a little Mead spiral notebook. Remember those Mead spiral notebooks that we yes, used I to have? We still have and some around the house. There you go. So do I. And, um, <laughs> And a pen, and I literally wrote out on the pad of paper, do one thing every day that scares you. And for that year, I was abroad for a year. I did one thing every day that scared me, and I wrote it in that spiral notebook, and that changed my life. And it it then led to meeting a wonderful professor at Harvard who teaches positive psychology and going back and getting a certificate with him and, and forming a happiness incubator and doing a TED talk and, and, and really loving the concept of what does it mean to be courageous in life? Can we do it in small ways, not jumping out of airplanes or quitting our jobs and moving to another part of the world, but can we actually just every day push a little bit more and what are the implications of that? And that formed the basis of scarier soul um, and, and now we have ambassadors around the world and put out challenges each and every week that are free and organic and, and fun, but yet push people in a way that they're going to live their lives like, a, like a, a flourishing life that we all want. Flourishing. And so why do you think it's so hard for us to find happiness in 2022? Oh, my gosh. That is a webinar and a <laughs> podcast and a retreat. I mean- 
all wrapped up into one. That is a great question. Well, here's I'll, the thing. Like, let me just elaborate for a second. Please, like, you please. know, be, before, you know, the past 50 years where positive psychology was even a thing, right? Yes. Or maybe 70 years. And, um, or we could even go further back, right? But, or William James, but but before all of these things were a thing where we were sort of dissecting the human psyche and really understanding that like we are wired for pleasure and to avoid pain, right? Like all of these yes. like basic primal things, like nobody needed a happiness coach or a happiness entrepreneur or a book that talked about happiness or a retreat or a yoga retreat. <laughs> so, so what's the deal? What, what have we lost that we're then needing to find and needing to even have conversations like this? Comfort, distraction, um, disconnection, um, comparison. You know, if you look back 150 years to, you know, when, when modern psychology really began, mm -hmm. our lives, our family lives, our, uh, how we found meaning, how we found pleasure in our lives were very different than they are today. And I think we live in a world now which is so focused on external reward it's so focused on how we look. It is so focused on success versus failure. Um, it, and I think that that, that at and then tie into that, all of the factors that you just said, our bodies trend toward homeostasis. There is something called the hedonic treadmill where we always, you know, no matter what we get, we always end up wanting more. The impact of social media on our lives and our sense of comparison and our, and our worry that we're going to look bad, be, be rejected. Our sense of belonging will be threatened. You know, all the, I mean, you have had so many wonderful guests on your podcast who have talked about all of these issues. And I think you wrap all of those things up in, in our current environment with the society that is polarized politically and otherwise with war and fear pervading our our news cycles and our and our websites and and our and our what we take in every single day that to me owning a little piece of bravery each and every day to me pierces all of that it starts to create that sense of uh self-confidence you know the the whole concept of the downward spiral and the upward spiral that we always right. talk about in in the in the fields of positive psychology and psychology that we begin to take action in our lives in really small but important ways. And I'll give you just a quick example. Yeah, please. When I started Scare Your Soul, which you know started very organically, um, and, it, and it still has a very organic, user-friendly, community-based um, um, core to it. I started to ask friends after I had done one courageous act, which I'm happy to tell you about. It unlocked a 35-year-old fear of mine. And I started to ask people to do small, courageous acts. And so one of my friends and, a, and one of our first ambassadors for Scare Your Soul, who is a beautifully tough, strong woman, she's a dancer and half of her head is kind of shaved and she's just yeah. tough and amazing and strong. And she came back to me and she said, I want to hold hands with a guy and walk in a mall for 15 minutes. And I kind of went, huh? That would not have been mine. Um, can you tell me why that feels courageous yeah. to you? And she said that she grew up in an abusive home. She did not like to be touched. She did not like to hug. And so for her, walking in a mall, holding hands with somebody publicly and you know, pushed her in a way that for me 
leaping out of an airplane or or doing something else felt felt electric and felt challenging. And that's when I knew that there was some magic to scare your soul. That yeah. that it wasn't that it wasn't my challenge. It wasn't my, it wasn't about me. It was about each one of us and that she could inspire me and that I could inspire her. And then you're really creating change. You know, then you're really taking an individual growth moment and expanding it. And to me, that's kind of the beauty of Scare Your Soul is it is internal. It is totally individual. But when we do it in community with each other, we are creating something really magical and really special. Yeah, no, I love this. And it makes me think about this idea of like you as a kid feeling invisible. And that resonates so much for me because I have a lot of childhood trauma, which we won't get into here. That's a whole nother podcast. But, you know, the feeling of wanting to be invisible is something that I think many of the listeners can resonate with because everyone, yeah. a suicide prevention advocate also, and many of us at one time or another have at least felt that we've wanted to be invisible in our lives. And so for those people that may be listening and may be in a place, because the holidays are tough, it's, uh, it's, it's a December when this is being recorded, who may be feeling invisible, how do they get even from that place to a place where they're even doing one thing a day that scares their soul. Cause there's a, there's a Delta there. There, it, there absolutely is a Delta there. And I have a couple of suggestions. One, the very simple suggestion I would make is you don't have to start big. You can start tiny, like mm-hmm. micro. <laughs> I remember my, um, my mentor and, and a positive psychology professor, Tal Ben-Shahar used to talk about literally like brushing your teeth with your non-dominant hand first thing in the morning. Like literally you can start so micro. Um, One of our ambassadors is a cold shower expert. He has written books on taking cold showers. You can take a hot shower in the morning um, and, and, and for the last five seconds, make it a cold shower, right? Five seconds. Um, You can call a loved one and just say, I'm calling to say, I love you. Yeah. Right. These are tiny micro um, pushes into either the unknown. We don't know what's going to happen or the uncomfortable, like the like 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 a, taking a cold shower. Um, I happen to love and it's a little bit I, I wouldn't say it's micro, but buying a cup of coffee for a stranger, I think, is our if there is one classic scare your soul challenge, it is buying a cup of coffee for a stranger because it it epitomizes this moment of. You don't know what's going to happen, right? You don't know what this person is going to say. It is an act of service. So you're doing something positive, right? You're not asking something of yeah. somebody else. You're giving to them. There's a sense of beautiful curiosity. You know, who is this person? And can you have a little interaction with them that might actually unlock something for you or for them or for the barista or for the people around you? And when you do it, and I have I have probably done it, you know, dozens of times I times myself and our ambassadors have done it. It is this little explosion of freedom, joy, happiness, service. And when you do that, you have a little, I, I keep on referring to this, I'm sorry, as a scare your soul moment, but I, this is the way I view no, it. No, this is so good. That, that, when, that when you do something positive, you do something that unlocks something and you do it in a moment where you're stepping into discomfort. It can be these little small moments and strung together, doing something every single day, like put a post-it note on your mirror that says, do one thing today that scares you. 
And just seeing that little affirmation, that little mandate, it's just like a gratitude practice or any type of practice where you become what the positive psychology uh, folks call a benefit finder. You start spending your day looking for something, looking yeah. for that moment, that moment that will arrive. And you know it when that moment arrives, you feel those little butterflies in your stomach and you say, I could either retreat or I can move forward into this moment. And my counsel is move forward into that moment. Oh, I love it. I have the chills. So <laughs> two questions. But the first one is if you buy a coffee, which my children and I often do for the person in the car behind you in the drive through, does that count? Uh, or do you have you know, to wear I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a, I'm going to give you a partial free pass on that. And <laughs> I would say that that is a beautiful act of service, but it, it does not give you the sense of um, beautiful, gorgeous discomfort that looking at a person behind you in line and saying, um, my name is lady. Um, I, I, I am pushing myself to be more courageous in life. And I'd like to ask you if I could buy you a cup of coffee. Oh, I love this. That is the moment. That is the moment. It requires an element, what I hear you saying, of human connection. And so my next question is, most of us, I mean, I talk a lot about in all of my habit work about the habit of kindness. And so what I'm hearing you say is that kindness involves an element of bravery. Oh, kindness absolutely involves an element of bravery. And I'll tell you what I think actually is, is overlooked so many times. And, and that is many of us default into consistently being kind to, you know, to our children, to our parents, to our close friends. And what we don't do is, is we we're not kind to ourselves. I think that being kind to yourself actually requires more bravery oftentimes than being kind to our, to our child. You know, you did a you did a, a wonderful podcast recently where it's all about you know the concept of care and the and you know we, 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 when we step into that moment of caring, there is a primal, beautiful nature of of caring, and I think that's great. That is as, absolutely an aspect of life that is super important. What fascinates me is, can you be brave enough to focus on self care? Can you be brave enough to ask somebody to help you? Can you be brave enough to say, you know what? I'm good at this. I can, I can, I can say something in a meeting at work that is that may lead to a question. It may be hard to ask. I may be laughed at for this new idea that I have, mm-hmm. but I, I, I love this idea, and I'm going to put myself into that moment. That's a moment of self kindness. So I think bravery is, you know, people look at it like you have to be, in, you know, in, written up in profiles of courage or something. I don't think it is that. For me, it's these beautiful choices that we make every day to be kind to, to ourselves and to others, but in a way that pushes us into that moment of discomfort so that we end up growing from it. Kindness yeah. is beautiful, but kindness matched with bravery equals beautiful surface-oriented growth. Oh, I love that. And so it's kind of like fear is this wonderful indicator that we're moving in the right direction. fear in my view is the signal. It's like this flashing light that says, pay attention, pay attention in that moment. It is, and, and I, by the way, it is critical that everybody pays attention because the fear may be leading you to something that you need to step back from. Yeah, no, totally. 
but so, also and just that's this critical. little inkling of fear, right? Like, yes. Example would be the other day there was a homeless person. I live in a very small town, so there's not very many homeless people. And I asked the bakery if they'd give us some like leftover bakery goods. And <laughs> my son and I sort of like we like we're like Roche, should we Rochambeau? Who gets who gets to give it to him? Because we were both afraid. Like we wanted yes. to do it. But it was like walking up to him and actually giving him the pastry, even though we hadn't even paid for it, whatever, was frightening. Um, and we went back later and he didn't even eat it. He left it on the bench, but it, we felt good about it. So that's something yeah. like that as an example of, of you know, I'm not, I don't want to advocate for anyone to go like do a backflip off of a cliff or something, but, you know, do something small that scares you that moves your soul. And I think this is the part too, and you talked about it in your TED talk that encompasses meaning. Cause I yes. think without that, then we're just being reckless potentially. I, I think that's exactly right. This, and you, you almost have to go back to the intention of it. The, the work that I'm passionate about is not about just, you know, going and surfing the biggest wave, or as you said, being, being reckless in a way that gets our endorphins and our, you know, yeah. uh, no, our I bodies mean, I buzzing. I have done That's, plenty of that in my life. <laughs> right. This, this is about unlocking a vibrant life. I mm. almost look at it this way. Arthur Brooks wrote a great book recently called From Strength to Strength. And he talks about the differences in Western approaches to art and Eastern approaches to art. Western approaches of art, let's say walking up to a sculpture, you, you view the beauty of the end product and you say, isn't that gorgeous? In Eastern approaches to art, you look at the block of stone first and say, there's a sculpture inside of it already. Mm. Can a sculptor actually chip away the stone to reveal that sculpture inside? That's how I view our lives. Our lives are the sculpture inside the stone. And the stone is shame, fear, past trauma, worrying about failure worrying about rejection, worrying about what other people are going to think of us, those layers of in, inauthentic crap that we layer on top of ourselves, chipping away at that reveals what I consider to be the life I want and I want for other people. And that is vulnerability, passion, adventure, forgiveness, gratitude, energy, those are, you know, the, and the chapters of this book all relate to how do we unlock those various components of our lives? Because to me, that's life at its fullest. It's life that is not encumbered by all of those layers, but it is essentially who we are destined to be. Oh, I love this so much. So I'm thinking of as you're saying that, and I'm seeing this sculpture not yet made, right? And um, and Michelangelo with his, uh, with his, <laughs> I don't know what the tool's called, but whatever it is that to make this his chisel, <laughs> but fear is the chisel. It is. It's the tool. It is. Yeah. That's right. That's really cool. Um, okay. So before we go to break, I want you to quickly tell us, and we're going to talk about it after break. So we're going to tease. What was the fear that you had that you, that you confronted that changed your life? It was a fear of singing. Oh that my gosh. So everyone, everyone <laughs> stay tuned <laughs> to hear about Scott's fear of singing and how he overcame it. You can too overcome all of your fears by doing one small thing that scares you a day. So hang on everybody. Um, we'll be right back after the break.
try out a free coaching session with your host, Lady Fuller, to learn more about our individualized and corporate coaching programs. Learn to drop bad habits and pick up healthier habits to live a healthier life. Email her at lady at happinessmba.com. That's L-A-D-Y at happinessmba.com. Or check out our coaching business at habits, the letter for happiness.com. Want to reward clients, customers, or employees with a gift that will blow their socks off? We at International Gifting Company have your next corporate event covered. We carry 250 personalized gifts for on-site incentive events. Or we can create virtual gift boxes your employees and clients can receive at home. Contact us today for a quick and free proposal. We love to wow! Contact info at intlgiftingco.com or check out our webpage at intlgiftingco.com. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You are listening to Habits for Happiness. We hope today's program is helping you reach your happiness. Now, back to our program. Here again is Lady Fuller. Thanks, everyone, for hanging in there. Welcome back to Habits for Happiness, the show where we discuss habits that can make you two happier. Here on the show today is Scott Simon. If you haven't been listening, we have been talking about the powerful habit of fear and how doing one small thing a day that scares you can unlock the greatest, most vibrant life that you've ever dreamed of. And Scott is going to tell us how he overcame his fear of singing. So do tell, I, I, I mean, literally, if I started singing right now, you would log off and everyone else would. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> well, if, if so I did I too. do that. <laughs> Fair enough. So the story really actually begins in fourth grade for me. When I was in fourth grade, I was preparing with my grade for the choir concert. Do you remember those holiday choir concerts? Yes, you I all... attended a lot this week, I think. <laughs> oh, good. School. I've been to all sorts. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I, we were practicing for our, our um, holiday choir. And the substitute choir teacher had us sing as part of this uh, choir concert a song, 76 Trombones which is a song from the music man. And mm-hmm. he gave a number of us little solo lines in that song. And as, as we were all singing and practicing for this choir concert, every time he came around to me, I flubbed the line. I, I started to, my throat started to close up. I could see all of these people around me, all of my classmates. He was clearly getting very angry. And each time it would come around, it got worse. And I would flub the line and he would start the entire grade over again, all because of me. And after the third time with my throat literally closing up, he kind of paced really quickly towards me. I remember he was wearing a Hawaiian shirt, even though it was January or uh, December in, in, in Ohio, freezing cold outside. He was wearing this Hawaiian shirt and he kind of paced real fast towards me. And he said, you, you don't know how to sing. Just mouth the words from now on. And I remember freezing and I was like a statue. I couldn't move. Mm -hmm. I could see all the eyes on me. I turned bright red and I didn't sing again for 35 years. And um, that 
you know, demon just sat on my shoulder Mm. and it wasn't until I had had my epiphany on the airplane and began to learn about what life looked like when you chase fear rather than running from it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I had had the idea of starting Scare Your Soul and decided that the best thing to do would be to do something that scared me. And it came to me almost immediately. I needed to sing in public. Wow, tell us more. (laughs) So I grabbed a guitar on a Sunday morning in May and I brought it to a busy restaurant where on Sunday morning, there's a brunch crowd that lines up outside the restaurant because it's so popular. And I decided to sing in front of that crowd of strangers, which I did. Pulled out my what guitar. Seventy six trombones. So, no, I actually didn't. I actually sang Simon and Garfunkel songs. That's and even better. My sister, um, who has a beautiful voice uh, and wanted to support me, came and she she joined me. And it was, and I mean this sincerely, I was awful, terrible. My voice was horrendous. But that wasn't the point. The point yeah. was how I felt afterwards. First of all, the crowd, when I started, looked incredibly annoyed and like, why is this guy singing? He sounds terrible. But after a while, they kind of rallied around me and started to smile. And then a kid threw a dollar bill into my guitar case and everybody laughed. And and, and when I finished, it was almost like I could levitate back to my car. I was, I felt proud and strong and free. And that feeling to me is scare your soul. That feeling of overcoming something in that moment that is so, that has been holding you back. And I, I wrote a Facebook post about that experience, sharing it with a few, what I thought would be a few friends. And the post went viral and was shared literally around the world. And the next week I had people emailing me and DMing me saying, I want to do my thing. What should I do? And started emailing me courageous acts that they were doing all around the world. And that really was what launched Scare Your Soul. Oh, and so I love this is, story so much. This is amazing. And, 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 and that just gave me this, be- this confidence that really what people need is a permission slip. Like I don't design this for anybody. They get to do what is important in their lives? And do we make suggestions? Yes. Do we put out challenges where we could do things together? Yes. But essentially what we're asking people to do is to just find those moments in their own life. Big, like I just told you, singing in front of a restaurant is not a micro uh, mm-hmm. action. It's a, it's a big one. Um, uh, if we have time, I'd love to tell you another story of one of our ambassadors who did something also that that I think inspired our entire group. But it is these moments where we find ourselves doing something that we thought we could never do. And then in five minutes or 10 minutes, we cannot, we were, we want to run and do it again. Like that's yeah, how I, I mean, felt. What's coming up for me is this idea of like all of our fears, right? And, uh, you know, we give them so much power. And so it's kind of this journey from going from disempowered by believing that we're afraid to do something to empowered, like how much we empower ourselves by giving ourselves a permission slip and moving through that fear. 
And it's funny, you know, I mean, I talk about this a lot in all of my work is that we're here for such a short amount of time. Like if we really break down the mental construct of it, like our fears are a bit ridiculous because like, if you're only going to be here for, you know, a a finite amount of time on this earth, we should all be singing no matter our voice on the (laughs) the We we should be, we should be. We're here for a very short time. And like, it's just that our fears hold a lot of weight for us, at least in our mental, a mental um, ability to move past them, right? Because we're capable of singing on sidewalks, like we're capable of that, but we don't believe our fear is that, that drives our inability to do it is, I will be judged, I will be laughed off the sidewalk, you know, all of these things, I won't be able to do it, right? Um, And even if those are true, like I used to have a friend who would say, it's still not going to cook, eat or kill you. (laughs) Well, that's exactly right. And and it's all of that. You know, if you think of, if you break down all of the fear, like if we create, if we did a pie chart of everybody's fear over the course of a year, think about how much of it is thinking about what could happen that hasn't happened yet, right? I'm going to get rejected. People are going to laugh. Uh, someone's going to take a picture and share it and I'm going to be mocked on social media. Like all of these projections that have never, that not even happened that stop us. And if we could just step into that breach and say, you know what, I'm going to sing anyway, I'm going to, I'm going to get out there and I'm going to do something that would unlock something for myself, regardless of what my brain is projecting into the future. That starts to build confidence, momentum, you, and, and, and this is my, uh, my scare your soul hat on is it starts to build a movement because when people start doing courageous things, not because they're going to be well-liked or they're going to get paid or they're going to get some kind of kudos from it, but just because they're doing it because of the joy of being a human, mm. you start to inspire people to do other things. So I dare say me singing in front of a busy restaurant inspired other people to do their thing. And that meant getting, saying, I love you to someone, having a tough conversation with somebody, starting a new business, um, um, connect, reconnecting with a friend that they had hurt and, and wanted to apologize. You know, hundreds and thousands of actions that had nothing to do with me singing, but had everything to do with us inspiring each other. Yeah, and that to me is so powerful. And I like to say, I mean, I say this to a lot of my clients, but when we hold on to fear, we don't make space because it takes up a lot of space in our sort of energetic fields, whatever, right? To find, we have finite energetic fields. I mean, we all are, you, you know, infinite connected, but we do have finite amount of energetic energy. So it takes up space. And so it's taking up very, you know, expensive real estate where we could have abundance, And that could be confidence and all these other things. And so, you know, I like to say when, especially when people are feeling like life is happening to them and not for them, I like to say, as we release, as we let go, we let in all of the things that are waiting for us that can't fit. Right. So letting go of fear is the letting in. My coach used to use a wonderful metaphor and it was that of a garden hose and that you know, if you think about the water coming through a garden hose and, 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 and think about little holes pricked in the garden hose with little, with water shooting out the side, right. In different directions. Um, 
you know, that's that fear that is, you know, those little mental gymnastics that we do that are holding us back. I can't do this because of X. I can't do this because of Y. And that is, that is taking away from what could be that massive amount of water that, you know, which is energy coming through the end of that hose. And where do we want to focus that? I want to focus that on that beautiful, like, as I said, that beautiful statue inside the block of stone that is open, vulnerable, passionate, free, connected. That's that. And, and when we, and when we have those fears that that, that are holding us back, it is like little teeny tiny holes that are, that are siphoning off that energy, siphoning off that beautiful psychic and destiny energy that could be coming out the end of that hose onto the, onto the aspects of life that we should all be leading. Oh, I love that so, so much. And I just, uh, one thing I wanted to ask is this concept of doing something that uh, scares you every day is actually something from the ancient Stoics, if that's ringing any bells for you. And I don't know if you're a Ryan Holiday fan, but um, he talks a lot about this. And, um, you know, everyone from Seneca to Marcus Aurelius really did believe that if we harness fear and we live these sort of big lives where we're doing Um, all the things that scare us in a day that we can prosper. And so for you, were the Stoics part of your sort of like the idea behind this book or what was the inspiration beyond your, your childhood experiences too? So the, the, the concepts of this book from, from a theological or, and certainly from a scientific background actually flow much more from positive psychology than necessarily the work of the Stoics. Although you're absolutely right with, Ryan's work, I think, has brought the and Tim Ferriss also have kind of brought the Stoics back into the conversation. Listen, here's here's why. And I think it it predates any of the Stoics. This is all human stuff. Mm -hmm. This this all of this work that we're talking about has been with us from the very beginning. We're talking about the primal forces of love, of connection, of fear, of hope. And, and so how we, how we perceive those things and how we work with them, does it, does it run through different filters throughout history? Absolutely. Yeah. The Stoics, the Stoics had a filter that, that was meaningful to them. What I love about the field of positive psychology is it was founded in a very academic environment mm-hmm. where, because I always, I'm a skeptic at heart and I always wanted to ask like, okay, show me a study. I, I want to see an 80, 80 year longitudinal study that tells me like Robert Waldinger's current work with, with the Harvard study of adult development, like what actually makes people happier? I want to see. And that's what I love about positive psychology is it talks about many of the same things, but it actually focuses on the research and data behind all of those things. So uh, while my book definitely is not, I wouldn't call it a research-based book, it is a very practical book that includes lots of writing prompts and reflections and challenges. And, And one thing I did in the book is I did all of the challenges in the book myself, and I I I relay back what my experience were experiences were. Um, I share all of my flaws and worries and mistakes, and and I really hope that when people read this book, that it feels very much like I'm doing all of these things with them, because in a in a large way, I am. I did I everything. And I share my own experiences along with the reader as they are writing in in the prompts and they are doing the challenges. 
Um, and, and that felt very vital to me because it wasn't just about the science. It was about the application. Oh, I love that so much. I, I want to hear this story. We have time for one more story. So tell us the story of your ambassador who um, conquered a fear. So I'll tell you the story of Johanna. Johanna is um, Johanna grew up in Beverly Hills. Okay. She's the daughter of an agent father and a writer mother. Mm-hmm. She grew up a born performer. Always loved to tumble and to and to dance and to tell jokes. She was that kind of kid that you wanted yeah. at every adult party because yeah. she just lit up the room. And her father was a Lakers fan, and she would go to Lakers games with her dad, and he would watch the Lakers, which of course makes sense. She would watch the cheerleaders. She was enthralled with cheerleaders and loved watching them move and dance and leap and and twirl and do all these incredible things. And she would um, actually give kind of like a running play-by-play in her own mind of of the routines that they were doing and always wanted to be a cheerleader. But um, her um, body type was never one that was acceptable back in those days Mm -hmm. to the, the folks that were running those cheerleading squads and she switched schools and there was no cheerleading uh, team at her new school and was never able to really fulfill that dream. When I met Johanna, she was 53, divorced, three children, and she had just suffered a bout of lymphoma, which Mm -hmm. uh, was in remission, but she was exhausted. She was working as a nurse and she was um, uh, serving people who are living in horrendous circumstances and using her own resources to buy extra goods for those people to keep them warm and safe and um, just an amazing person. Um, And she came to me and said, I need scarier soul. I need something that is going to make me feel better, make me feel courageous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I asked her to think about what she, what her scarier soul challenge was. And she called me back and she said, I am freaking out. I just left a message for the athletic director at the largest public high school in our area. And I asked him if I could be a cheerleader for a day. (laughs) I love this. She was freaking out even more when he called her back and said, we love the idea. The squad is 100% behind the idea and the cheerleading coach. They invited her in. She uh, practiced with the squad for an entire week, learned all of the cheers prior to what was the biggest game of the year. They have hundreds of people that come out to these high school um, football games. And then she told me afterwards that her biggest worry was, could I fit into a size 16 cheerleading uniform? And the night before the game, they gave her a cheerleading uniform and it fit perfectly. And she said the morning of the game, she was in the high school bathroom pinning up. She has this beautiful, long, curly black hair. She was pinning it up in a bun in the mirror. And she said, I can't do this. What am I doing? What a 53-year-old mother, cancer survivor. I, I And I'm going to be a cheerleader. Who does this? And, and I'm going to be mocked. My kids are going to get my, you know, all of those ruminations and, 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 thoughts that we were talking about before were were colliding in her brain and something in her said, do it, do it. And she followed this team of 15, 16, 17 year old girls out the tunnel onto the field. And they, they ran out to midfield 
And as she turned around and her story was being announced on the loudspeaker, she turned around to see the entire crowd giving her a standing Ah, ovation. I love this. And what, I mean, and what did doing that do, having that day do for her? So that is the perfect question. She has that a photo on her phone of two high school athletes who asked her, she actually has two different photos. One is of one high school athlete and one is of two who asked her to take a picture with them. They begged her after to take a picture, like a selfie with, with them. And she keeps that on her phone to remind herself that there are moments of courage, that she can step into moments Mm -hmm. of courage in her life. And I tell that story in the book because we all have Johanna moments. We all have opportunities where we can step into that I can't do it moment. And if we have the courage to be able to do it, not worry about what others are going to think about it, but actually just step into that moment, amazing things can happen. Oh, I love that. So how can people find more of you? Where is the book for sale? And how, if people want to work with you in any capacity, wh- what do they do? So give us the whole spiel. The easiest thing to do is to go to scareyoursoul.com. Okay. That has all the information about Scare Your Soul. You can sign up at, for our free weekly challenges. You can find out all about the book. The book is available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble and at your local bookstore. Um, I'm really proud of it. I I love the impact that it is having. It's only been out for a week and I'm getting emails every single day from people who say that it's already starting to change and unlock and unleash things in their lives. And I just, I couldn't feel more blessed and lucky. Um, and I'm just super excited about what the future holds for for the book and for Scare Your Soul. Yes. And Scott, we are so blessed to have you here today. And uh, Scott's been here to remind us that everything we want is on the other side of fear. And remember, guys, please do one thing a day. It can be very teeny tiny that scares you because that is how we unlock ourselves is what I hear you saying and become our most authentic selves inside. We, we create the sculpture inside that block of rock. Oh my gosh, it's been such a pleasure. Well, thank you for being here. And everyone, please tune in next week for another habit that could potentially change your life. Thanks, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to Habits for Happiness. Please join Lady Fuller for another edition of the program next time on the Voice America Variety Channel and discover how to find your new happy place. Oh,